Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Pocket Knife. I love that. We're covering the opposable thumb chord at the beginning. Yeah. Man, what a song to talk about today, Tim. What a Tim song Crisp. to talk about, David Anthony, as we record well in advance. Yes. That heater's loud. Yeah. All right. But it keeps my house warm. Who cares? Um, We'll have a nice ambience for this recording session. Once I, it catches, it's nice. I am assuming that everything went very well. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'd be recording future episodes if there was a uh, concern the other way. Um. Though we did have an episode that we recorded before any of this happened, and then we're kind of like, eh, it feels so feels weird. Feels odd, yeah. We'll to, get around to it another yeah, day. We'll come back to it. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, ideally, I'm just... Uh, this would come out, what, not... The, the week after Thanksgiving, correct? Yes. So, hello. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you ate food and saw family you like or friends you like or had a nice time in your home alone. Hope you didn't talk to your uncle about politics. I hope you did because I like to think that like you come home and you're like, oh, my uncle is such a fucking dweeb. And then he goes to his friends and he's like, God, he's such a dweeb. And one day you can bond over the fact that you're both like, kind of just the same in different directions um one day um anyway yeah hopefully I'll, by that point i'll just be sitting on my couch i think yeah gearing myself back up for hey, the world and that's what you're doing right now i know it's beautiful we should in advance though record a couple of like spots just for in in the event that like something major happens in the news cycle so we could be like, oh yeah oh did you hear that thing that trump tweeted oh man Guy's terrible. Did you hear that indie rock band once said something unkind to someone? Gonna have to cancel them. Oh, no. Okay, that's it. (laughs) We get every news story that happens. So, we're here this week to talk about Pocket Knife, which is the second song on the Broken Wing EP, which was released on the same day as my shame is true correct if you're a spotify user it is the third to last song on (laughs) my My shame Shame is true True. god so two things one is that a couple years ago maybe two or three now i can't remember exactly i wrote a thing when riot fest was doing their like online bloggy component Uh about how i fucking hate bonus tracks yeah and i hate them for this reason and, and the test case I used was Jawbreaker's Bivouac album, where like the LP is like a tight nine songs, and I think it plays really well, and it's like my favorite record. But then the CD version has like five, four or five other songs just kind of thrown in the yeah, middle of it, and like not too many great ones in yeah. that crop. And Couple like weird covers. Yeah, yeah, and it's like oh, most people know the record because that's how it was later released on CD and how it is on spotify so everyone thinks this record fucking sucks yes and i especially hate that with like 
I've seen it now a couple different ways. Like some artists will do like the album and then like the remix remastered is like a different thing with like the bonus tracks. But like, I just hate being thrown into an environment where it's like, I want to listen to the album. And now there's eight more songs that just like throw me somewhere else. Just start playing. And I imagine if you like my shame is true, you probably don't mind that because what I'm going to say is when this came out, the alkaline tree have been doing that the last couple records. So like with crimson, they released a deluxe edition simultaneously which had a second cd of like demos of every song kind of inessential ultimately like demos are rarely something where i'm like oh my god this is so worth it i listen to it all the time yeah but you know as someone who's interested in the band i was curious right of course and they did the same they did a deluxe edition the same day that agony and irony came out which had like b-sides some other stuff and then they did the same thing with this addiction which Uh had like covers and b-sides and then they didn't do that with My Shame is True and just did this EP, which I thought was a great move um, because three of the four songs on this record I like. I wouldn't say they're like all-time classics, but I think at that era of the band, this and the This Addiction bonus like was some of my favorite material of each release. Right. Like more, more so than the actual proper LP. Yeah. You were gravitating towards and like the bonus tracks or the ep yeah that was compliment in both cases i think they have some like underrated like dan jams um but also it's because i think both these both this addiction and my shame is true are really bogged down by matt being very very on autopilot and like i think in both cases the records were like none of the this addiction has songs I think are really truly bad. My shame is true. Just has a lot of songs that are kind of like middling, flat, flat, flabby. And I will say to get into pocket knife, I like this one a bit because it takes some chances. It like doesn't fall into the same boilerplate structurally and like tempo wise and even musically that a lot of my shame is true does, but I don't think it's a great song. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty fair assessment. I think what I find is interesting is that as we were talking about it in pre-pro, we have inverse opinions on it because yeah. I don't really care for the verses, but I like the chorus. You, on the other hand. I like the verses because it's indicative of a thing that I think they do, that Matt does a lot in in this era of that kind of jaunty, like, junt, junt. And so it kind of almost has like an in-vein-ish vibe, but I like it better. I think the effects sit a little better with that guitar riff. And I think the band, and I think Dan and Derek are playing well around it. And I think my issue is like, I don't think the chorus is necessarily bad, but I don't think these pieces fit together really at all. Um, And I would like, in my producer's eye, Uh um, if there was a song that was, pocket knife which is the chorus that is a little more up tempo a little more just like a kind of two and a half minute yeah like kind of like fun pop ripper and then kind of a song that builds off that verse part and goes into a weirder slower thing um i think they're both parts that are cool but i don't think make any sense together really yeah i think that it's kind of an interesting predicament that one can place themselves in at 
the beginning of a song when you start off like that yeah because you have to go somewhere yes and when you're i i think i think this is not uh not, i'm not saying this in a as negative light as it sounds but when you're a band with limited capabilities like sure you, what are you gonna do you're gonna ramp it up a little bit or you're just gonna like let those chords hang yeah or and you know not to disparage but it's like it's like what are you gonna do you go like one of three ways and then this way it's like oh okay they're just gonna take it up and i i think that i do like the chorus though as a standalone chorus which is kind of what you're saying though is that it, it does work in its way um but there's something there's something in me that has uh first of all this is an against me song this starts off just as a like sire or was it sire. it was sire this sounds like it could be a new wave totally and it sounds like the worst of what was on new wave when i hear it Stop. well i mean take some time to think well i mean to be fair all of new wave is the worst of new wave um <laughs> but uh so the reason I appreciate it is because at the very least, as opposed to every other Matt song on the, from this batch, this one at least feels like it's going for something. Sure. So I, I hate to shit on a band when they're clearly reaching for something and just miss it. And I think my frustration with this song is I feel like they're trying to reach for that. But they, but they don't, don't commit. Continue. They, don't they commit. just like fall into something. It's just like a little bit of like, like if this was, if the verse was a bridge in a faster song, it would have more effect if there was a chorus that was more in line with the verse, it would have a better effect. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, oh, we're doing something different. Oh, and we're just kind of falling. And I think that's my the... issue is this song just gives me whiplash. Is um we're kind of starting with this like trying to be struttier, more austere groove, and I kind of like Matt's vocal delivery. And then we are like boom, kind of like cow punk, pop punk thing, and then back down and then back up again. And it's just like, oh, this like this song is what someone would envision a B side to be. It feels kind of half formed. Um, so then it being released not as a B-side, but as a song on a standalone EP, I feel it, if, you, if you're going to go that route, it should have been workshopped a little more. Yeah. Um, and it just really highlights this being the solo Matt song on the EP. It's just like the chorus I do think is, I, th- I think the, the strength of My Shame is True. God damn it, Timothy. Uh No, it's nothing important. I think the strength what? of I think Sorry. the strength of my shame is true is that Matt was writing good choruses and spots. I think there's like three or four songs where I'm like, the chorus here at least is something I can vibe with. I think the rest of the song does not live up to it. And I think this is an example of that. Where it's like if this was the chorus to a song on the record and the rest of the song was built around this, I think it would be one of his better songs on the album. But instead, it doesn't really commit to anything. So it just kind of feels like you're swinging for something, but not really fully. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that like once that, once that verse started, I was like, I I remember when in like, you know, 2001, 2002 or whatever, when like 
Stay What You Are came out, uh-huh. and there was that song Cars and Calories. And then it seemed to me like every record that came out within the next like year had a song that was structured in that way of just like the dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, is is this just the song that everybody does right. and everybody puts in like one of two spots on the record to like slow it down. Yeah. Yeah. But still kind of make it feel like it's peppy. Right. And that's kind of like, I guess maybe where I was trying to go with talking about like the, uh, limited capacities of, of things where it's just like, well, this is a like punk based band with guitars. Like you want to be able to slow the record down in spots. You want to be able to do something that's just like puts a little bit of a different uh, emotion going on mm-hmm. just musically. Inevitably, people are just falling into this one. So to me, it yeah, falls yeah. into like that trope that I I've agree. kind of established by myself in my weird way. I mean, I don't think you're wrong at all. I do think that is a th- thing that guitar-based rock bands, emo bands did in that time and, and did post that time. Because, yeah, I think it's it's just always frustrating to me to see a band where it's like, your only limitation is you deciding that you have that limitation. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's self-imposed. Obviously, this is a band where, like, to look at My Shame is True, you're looking at a record where, like, Matt is clearly going through a breakup, clearly not in the best headspace. I think it doesn't bring out his best material. Yeah. Um, I think he's very clouded and that comes through. I think Dan is kind of trying stuff here and there, but this is also what I would say is maybe one of his weaker efforts. Um, On My Shame is True? Yeah. Well, all of the songs on Broken Wing are better than the songs that are Yes, <laughs> and I think that's the true. thing. And like, here's the big thing that I would say that I wish this band felt more comfortable doing. And I would say, obviously, the modern music landscape and press landscape and all that stuff is not um, good to EPs. No. But this band could have put out a pretty good six-song EP in 2013 or 2012, whenever this came out, and I wouldn't have felt weird about that. I think I would have preferred it. And I think a lot of these bands, Alkaline Trio, Saves the Day, against me yada 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 uh shouldn't be so shy to be like we have four really fucking good songs so we're gonna put out four really good songs because we live in a single based economy we don't need to make the album yeah i think it's interesting to look back though at 2013 because i don't think it was i think it might be easier now than it was then even though I mean, that's still true. People don't care about EPs. Yeah. And it's almost like... It's interesting to see how they've sort of become like a novelty in a lot of ways. It's like the EP is the thing that you drop unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Um, But in when it comes to like bands of that size, though, I, I think that there's just like a fear of of doing it totally i mean i think obviously this is a more modern comparison but i I don't see why the alkaline trio and i know why this is not what they're doing presently but let's go back to 2013 yeah let's since that's the era we're talking about it would have been 
awesome, in my opinion, if they did what the Hold Study did with this last record, where it's like, we're going to drop a single or two every couple months over the course of a year. People, the the, the fan base, which is really like at this point, like Alkaline Trio is not growing the fan base a ton organically. Whatever new has come to them has come because Matt is in Blink-182. Yeah. But in 2013, Alkaline Trio's base was largely the same. So let's say they, like, over the course of the year, put out four to six singles streaming. And then the next year comes out an album that's essentially a collection of those and six other songs. What I think happens for them is me, who's going to listen to those songs when they come out, you, who probably would not be, we, we didn't know each other in 2013, really. No, we didn't. But if I did... Wish we did. And same. And if I did... Probably went to the same shows. I guarantee you were in the same rooms. But if I heard one of those and was like, oh, hey, dude, like, Alkaline Tree put out a good song. Listen to it. You could just listen to the one song and be like, oh, that is good. Yeah. I mean, I think... Honestly, I think that that doesn't fly with Epitaph. I Probably think that's not. really what what it what it comes down to. But they have their own imprint on Epitaph, so how does it not is more my question. Yo, you and know? that that is an interesting point because I mean, I remember probably was around 2011, 2012, Bouncing Souls did four EPs in one year. Yeah. And, and all of those EPs had a couple good tracks at least and and, and that was a perfect example because they did that seven inch series and yeah i remember getting mm-hmm. those as they came out because i wouldn't they were usually what two to four songs I yeah think? something like that and like at least two of the songs on each one were good ghost on the boardwalk is great like one of the best bouncing soul songs and then they released it as an lp yeah. under that name right and i think that there was i'm trying to remember like actually what was on there but there were covers on there, I yes. believe. There was just some like fun shit because and, and, the stakes were so different. And you know what? Bouncing Souls are a great band to call out in this example because I will say, though, I don't think their mod material, material is their best. They have taken those chances. They did that 10 years ago. Their most recent release for this like 30th anniversary run was, a, I think, a four to six song EP. Yeah. Where I'm more inclined to check out a four to six song Bouncing Souls EP than I am a full LP at this Yo, point. Yo, absolutely. They haven't really made a good LP since the gold record. Agreed. But they have, I think that they have really, really uh, towed the line so well about uh-huh. still continuing to be a band that tours uh-huh. and like those guys all make a good living off of being in the bouncing souls it's not yeah. their only living because they don't do it full time and they do other projects and-, and and they they haven't they don't feel like they're phoning it in not totally. the lps feel like they're phoning it in a little bit but they do things like those singles um and the 30th anniversary thing where it's just like yeah you're obviously you're doing this so that you can go on tour like celebrating any type of anniversary like that's what it's for but you're looking at your own like you're just aware of yourself you're looking at yourself in the mirror it's like do we need a new record no no a four to six song ep is have some fun is fine and you know i think i think that's the thing with all these bands is like when you're going into the lp especially on an epitaph thing like they've got a budget 
my shame is true going to bill stevenson like they're go they're traveling they're investing all this time and it's like all right well we're making a record so it's got to be this so the fact that they like cumulatively came up with 16 songs and probably what was not a super like collaborative or active writing session speaks volumes had they trimmed it down to 10 i even think my shame is true with a couple of duds would not be a bad record but there's this weird thing with this band in particular where every single song that is written is put out yeah and it's insanity (laughs) like they could if they called themselves a little bit of that notion, they could do cool things. And when you look at the first, I'm going to say six years of this band. So let's say 96 to 2002, they're putting out EPs, seven inches splits, doing all this stuff that like they could very easily do now. Like the fact that they aren't like, Hey, let's write three good songs and do a split with, I don't know what's a band that we're aligned with. Right. Let's do that. And like we talked what is now a couple episodes ago or maybe a week ago about like the bands that outshine them and even look at a newfound glory. Who's not been shy about doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's fan service. Sure. It's probably not building your audience that much, but you're going to have more people excitedly be like, yo, like Alkaline Tree was putting out a split with, I'll use Saves the Day as an example. Like, yeah. I'm more inclined to check that out. I mean, Bouncing Souls did a split with the Menzingers. Yeah. Like, they were on completely different levels. Yeah. Like, one could argue that they're piggybacking on the Menzingers. At, yeah, at a certain point. But it's that, to me, says more about their, like, the idea that they're, like, still in it. That they're yeah, involved, yeah, yeah. that they're paying attention. Yeah, it's like, why not be like, hey, Alkaline True's doing a split with, I don't know, fucking Sincere Engineer, or even fucking Bayside, who I don't care about, but is yeah, of a similar, yeah. in a similar place, I would feel. Right. Like, there's no reason they couldn't do that. I still think, even on the records I don't like, they're still capable of writing good songs. I think it's just, you know, I think there's a weird obligation to, like, write, 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 write. And then you end up with stuff like this. And I think even on the Matt Skiba demos LP, which was like just a cash grab and the secrets records, like even at their worst, there are songs where I'm like, that's a good song. Or like that there's the bones of a good song that just has Mm -hmm. shit tacked on it. And this one to me just is emblematic of like, you don't need to do it. Yeah, <laughs> this could have also been a three-song EP. Like you know, th- there are so many options. There are so many things that like don't inhibit them from just putting out their best work, other than some strange idea. Yeah, that everything has to be twelve songs and forty-five minutes long. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that there is a release that has three dance songs and one Matt song. Well, yeah, and I think it also just highlights the weird fact that like I think through a lot of this period. Dan was outshining Matt as a songwriter and all his stuff was getting pushed into releases or B-sides or deluxe editions. And I, I think it harms the work. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm always interested in like how that dynamic works. Is it, is it ever spoken? Like, well, see alkaline trio. Like I need to have 66% of the songs on this. Yeah, because it's not 
it's not like it's never been done where you have two singers and one starts to outshine the one that sings more and then sings more and that's okay. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. can move in different directions or like, you know, I'm, I always loved the Lawrence arms arc of yeah. Chris just being reaching a point where he's writing out 50% of the records. Yeah. Just like Brennan, but in his way. Yeah. You know? And I Oh think, my God. Yeah. And I think that's the difference is like, I think sometimes these records are difficult and my shame is true in particular because I would say at least on this addiction, Dan songs feel like Dan songs. Yeah. Whereas I feel like on my shame is true, not on broken wing, Dan is trying to write what Matt is writing. Yeah. And I think that's where he struggles. Yeah. It's a, it's a true shame. Uh huh. What do you give the song? Two and a half. Same. I, I think this, there is nothing when I hear this song where I'm like, oh, God, turn it off. But I'm also like, the the elements don't congeal. Yeah. For being, um, you know, I think a product of uh, Bill Stevens kind of overdoing it on, on so much of the material, I actually will uh-huh. say that I, I really do like a lot of the little flourishes that are on here. There's some yeah. nice layers, tasteful. The- I would say the production is suiting of them in a way that um, also highlights what I think the failures of the material are. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So this was yet another episode of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim. His name is David. Baba boom. And we get to spend time talking, just talking shop. And uh, we are so glad to have you all join us and to be a part of it. We encourage you to tell a friend, let them know what's going on. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You can go over there. You can vote on the songs that we talk about, listen to some bonus audio content. We still got a couple pennants. Mm-hmm. And My favorite piece of merch we've made. It is such a nice little thing. I'm really glad the... Uh, the amount of money that we lost on those but you know it's a cool thing to have um and it's kind of a a nice little thing that we get to keep as a remembrance of this thing that we just started to do one day Mm -hmm. because we knew that if nothing else we'd enjoy it and we do and we still do and we love the fact that y'all are enjoying it too and we will talk to you next week Thanks, folks. Bye-bye. And time to go back to sleep.